everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside Reviews and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Here again with my Hall of Famer and co-host, Steve Flink. Steve, to me, personally, the week after a slam, any slam, it kind of feels like to me the hangover week, right? We don't, yeah. I don't really take much stock in the results if there are top seeds that go down, just because I know, especially if they've gone late into a slam, we don't know how good they feel physically or mentally. We're recording this on Monday, so it'll be eight days since the French has concluded. Um, I don't know. There are quite a few things that we do want to hit on, but what are your thoughts generally, the, the, the week that, you know, the tournament immediately after a slam? Yeah, I, I, similar to yours, similar to yours, although I find this this time maybe a bit more interesting than post Wimbledon pre open because of the big surface change, you know, from clay to the grass and to see who's playing. And people are wanting to take advantage of the extra week that we've had for a while now, because for a long time, there's only two weeks between Roland Garris and Wimbledon. So I, 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 I still find myself jumping back in, you know, a little gingerly, but I, I think these guys, they, they do want to prepare well, and there is a lot going on and on different sites for the men and the women. So it, had, it, it was intriguing last week and even more so right now. And again, we're recording this Monday, uh, you know, late afternoon, early evening, we got Queens club going on right now, but let's kind of take a step back um, in Stuttgart. Cause there are a couple things that, that we wanted to hit on. And obviously Steve, feel free to, to jump in on anything else. Again, one of those higher seeds that lose early. I don't put much stock in it. Stefano Tsitsipas loses in the first match to Richard Gasquet. Big milestone win for Gasquet. He's been around for a while. And then again, I'll let you, you'll address both, Steve. But Francis Tiafo winning a final against Stroop, 4-6, 7-6, 7-6 on an unbelievable match point. Um, most notably, that gets Francis into the top 10 where he joins Taylor Fritz. First time we've had two U.S. players in the uh, top 10 for, what, 11 years when we had Marty Fish and yeah. John Isner right. Um, right. in the top 10 then. So. Well, you see, there's, that, there's, the, there's the part of it that's interesting. You're right. It, so, some of the players can excuse themselves while they try to make the transition, say, I'm not going to panic over this. I got a few more weeks to get ready. But the bonus part of it is Tiafo, who really didn't, particularly enjoy the clay court circuit this year. It gets out on the grass and he wins his second 250 title of the year. He won one on clay. And so for him, it's a big, big lift. Plus that added bonus of what you just mentioned. He's been striving for that top 10 for so long. And now he joins his buddy Fritz and they'll have bragging rights. So they're known. I remember interviewing, interviewing Fritz many years ago where he said that he and Tiafo would text back and forth about their rankings and saying, no excuses, top 20 this year, it's happening. And, and so I think the good buddies are probably happy for each other. And it's obviously, it's, a, it's great for American tennis. And for Tiafo, heading into Wimbledon, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one of those things that will do him, it could build his confidence considerably. What I like about both those guys in the top 10, it's not like they're getting into the top 10 finally towards the end of their career. They're still in the midst of their climb, which is, which is better. That says something a little bit more than maybe, you know, you've been on tour forever and you've had a really good, you know, year, your last year in, but you know, you don't have that much left to kind of sail in here with TFO and Fritz. They got more room to, to, to keep climbing in my eyes. Oh, they do. They do. And I think they both, 
I'm sure they're they're talking to each other. I'm sure they both want to be sure that they end the year in the top 10. That that is a more significant, meaningful accomplishment to do that. And they're on track to do it. I mean, Tiafo obviously has to go protect those semifinal points at the US Open. He had that great run, but he didn't do that much over the summer. And so he he could well you know, sort of bolster himself with the better showings in Canada and Cincinnati and other tournaments, Washington, maybe. I mean, he's, he's, he's on track. And then Taylor, I always feel like there's titles in titles in store for him. He lost in the first round in New York last year. So he doesn't have a lot of points. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I just mean, overall, I think he's capable anywhere striking gold at the right time and, and, and taking a title himself. So they're, they're both, I, I would say, I guess what I'm saying is if I had to bet right now, I would say they will end the year close to where they are right now and in the top 10. Let's hope you're right. So before, and we had a stellar field in Queens Club. Before we get into that, let's talk about one veteran, one Andy Murray, who won a challenger tournament. He is so close, Steve, to being seated at Wimbledon. I don't know if he's going to get it, but he's right there. And boy, would that be something, because we all know Andy's draws with him trying to climb back, not being seated. He just gets these brutal, brutal early draws. So a seating would help him immensely. I don't know if he's going to get it, but he's right there. Well, he's in Queens this week as we speak. He's supposed to play Demonor, which is a tough draw. Demonor beat him badly on the clay. He's won two challenges in a row, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, those fields are fields he should dominate and did. Now he goes into, as we talk, he goes into a much steeper 500 event at Queens Club in London. And if he were to, if he, if he were to be able to make a run there, he's at 38 in the world. So he's not that far from the cut. So I think quarters or semis might do it for him. So he'll be pushing hard to make that happen. You're right. I, he doesn't want to find himself having to play one of the top seven or eight seeds in the first round. And that could happen. Uh, you know, odds against it, but it could happen. So he's worked hard to get where he is now and playing well on the grass. And and here's the two-time former champion trying to make his presence known again. Yeah. And and again, I, I mentioned Queens Club, the field is stacked. We got Carlos Alcaraz playing. Grigor Dimitrov and Tommy Paul, I don't know what, who was in charge of their schedule, but they missed the entry deadline. They had to qualify, which they did. But I understand this is like live reporting right now. Tommy Paul just had a hiccup in his first match. Is that not, is that not? Yeah. Right? Watching the end of, he lost to Sarundalo, which is a bit surprising. Sarundalo better known for his play court prowess, but uh, it's been a little bit of a tough ro- road for Tommy lately. He hasn't been at his very best and he did, he managed to qualify. So he did get those matches. I think he would have liked to have gone a lot further into the main draw here, but yeah, good win for Sarundalo and, and maybe proof that his, he's becoming more of an all surface player. And then we got an All-American battle. J.J. Wolf played Ben Shelton. Ben won that match, 7-6-7-6. I think Andy Murray would have preferred to have J.J. win that match because Ben and Andy are close with those rankings with the seed for Wimbledon. We all know about Ben. You know, his dad now is coaching him full-time. Brian, who was the coach of Florida, he recently resigned to go on tour with Ben. Um, Brian, as we both remember, Steve, good grass court player. Um, we'll see how that relationship works out. Ben gets through seven, six, seven, six. And then we have Sebastian Corda who played a tough opponent in Dan Evans in the first round. Sebi Corda gets through that six, four, seven, five. We've talked TFO. We've talked Fritz. Many of us still think if you can stay, if he can stay healthy, Sebi Corda has the highest ceiling of all the young Americans. 
Yeah, he does. I think he does. And and this is a good sign to beat Dan Evans on the grass. I mean, that, that's a sign that he's physically he's getting stronger and he's playing better and getting his confidence back coming into Wimbledon. And obviously he had the terrific run in Australia before the wrist injury struck. And that really set him back for quite a while. But now now he seems to be hitting his stride again. Maybe he might be timing it very, very well. How about this matchup? Holger Runa faces Maxime Cressy. And Cressy's always dangerous to play, especially on a surface like grass. Um, I, you know, I, if, if you were to pick that match, obviously through ranking, Runa's the favorite. But I would not be surprised if Cressy gets through that one. I wouldn't either. Although Cressy lately, his results haven't been up to, up to the level we started to see from him last year. But obviously on any given day, but if he's serving really well, there's going to be tight sets. There'll probably be one, maybe two tie breaks in there. And Runa's going to have to keep his cool. You know, it's not, it's no fun to play somebody like that. It gives you absolutely no rhythm. That'd be, that would be a fun one to watch. I uh, want to go to something that also just concluded about, I don't know, a half hour ago. 43-year-old Venus Williams gets it done in her first round match, beating Camille Georgie, 7-6-4-6-7-6, three hours and 17 minutes. It just it just shows how much she likes to compete, how much she still likes playing tennis. Um, remarkable to see. Yeah, I mean, you, you, she's given away about 12 years to Georgie. You figure that that it didn't favor her when it went to a third set. She squeaks out a tie break in the end. That's all credit to Venus, you know, at 43 to be playing at that level. And obviously she'd like to make an impression at Wimbledon. That's, you know, that that's always been her best major. And I, I, I think, I, I think this, this has to be a very encouraging for her to come up with this win today, no matter what happens to the rest of survive a three hour, 17 minute match against a, a, a formidable opponent. Good work from Venus, and that we'll see. She's having some issues with her knee. The trainer was out there for a while, but still, she just got on with it, and it's a very good win. And someone I also want to mention, many people think he is the person, uh, if Novak were to stumble, it could be to this person, and that's Nick Kyrgios. Um, Nick recently had to with, uh, withdraw from a couple warm, from a warm-up event um, coming up. He's doing everything in his power to try to be healthy to make a run at Wimbledon. It's got to be hard, even if he does play, Steve. He just doesn't have the – he hasn't had the matches. Obviously, we always talk about Nick's talent, but you still need to have some match prep in there. He just has not had it all, all year. Um, no, no. it's it, it, you, you summed it up very well, and it's the exact opposite of last year, where coming in, yes, he pulled out a one-grass court event at the end, toward the end, but he'd been in a couple of semifinals before that. He got plenty of matches in, which really put him in good stead for Wimbledon where he made that run to the final and lost to Novak Djokovic in four sets. And he's now trying to save himself for Wimbledon by pulling out of Halley this week. But you're right. I mean, he, he got beat right off the bat last week. So he's got really nothing to go on after having been gone for over seven months. So it's, he's really asking a lot of himself, not to mention, I just think, can he really trust the knee? Is the, is the little extra rest time going to do it? Or is it just too chronic right now? So his, uh, his supporters must be deeply concerned right now about whether they're going to see anything like the Nick Curios of 2022 who had that wonderful run to the final. Yeah. What were your thoughts too? Cause I know he came out with some quotes recently in the press about um, 
how he was feeling after the 2019 Wimbledon. And that was a, that was kind of a chaotic Wimbledon. He played Rafa in the early rounds in that Wimbledon, yeah, right? Yeah. There was a lot yeah. of talk about that. They Rafa got through a really tough match there. Um, but Nick had some interesting quotes to the press about how he felt um, some, you know, really, really tough quotes from him. He did. He talked, you know, the, the AP picked up the story from somewhere else, but he talked about going into a, a psychiatric ward after that match. His father was there at the foot of his bed the next morning. It's a little bit hard to follow the story, but the gist of it is that he was in such a, he was such a mess and his father was crying and he was really upset. So he, he put himself into a psychiatric ward. I admire him for even for talking about that, having the honesty and, and not, not being uh, worried about his image and just telling these people straight what happened. And that was a really good match. You're right. I mean, he had lost, he had beaten Rafa in 14 at Wimbledon and, and, and the key to that win was winning a couple of tie breaks from Rafa in a four set win. When he lost him at 19, he lost a couple of tie breaks. That was really the thin difference in both match, both matches. So yeah, the story was fascinating. And obviously we know he's a complicated character. You know, he can, I've heard many stories of people going up to him and greeting him and how nice he can be to people, but he's a complicated character, many dimensions to him. And I, I hope we can see something from him out of Wimbledon, at Wimbledon, David, at least a little mini run. But I, I have to say, I'd be really uh, enormously surprised if he was back in the final. And we're all glad he's, he seems to be in a, in a better headspace right now. And you mentioned 2014. I mean, that's nine years ago. And we all remember that match. He, and a lot of that match. Yeah. It was tightly contested a couple tiebreakers, but we had not really seen a player hit Rafa off the court. Like Nick did nine years ago. And I well, can't believe it. Can't believe it was nine years ago. It was Nick 17 at the time. Yeah, no, you're right. I think we'd see, we'd seen some big hitters, but, that also was, of course, that incredible serve of Nick's 37 aces that day. And Rafa was really was demoralizing and he had to find a way to win the breakers. And he got tied in the breakers, which he did not do when he played him again in 19. But was Nick uh, 17 was Nick 17 years old. Is, I think so. Something like that, the the right? bottom line is he was, you know, that there was so much promise back then. We, and then a, a, a lot transpired thereafter. And finally, last year, that was a really nice moment. And then he followed it as you know, with a good summer and he beat Medvedev a couple of times, including at the U S open. So he was really playing great tennis and then, then got hurt. The knee acted up again in Tokyo, I believe. And then that was it shut down the season plays the one match coming back last week, pulls out this week. So it's been a really uh, arduous road for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, it has. Hey, I wanted to ask you, and I think the listeners would be interested to hear your view on it. You know, we've gone, Pretty much the whole season, yeah, yes, Rafa played Australia, but he wasn't healthy and he, and he lost early. But of the big three, we've really only had Novak playing, right? And there were still some tournaments that he couldn't play. But how, how have your view been of this season without Rafa and Roger? I think it's still been very interesting, very intriguing, seeing these next guys come up, um, go deep into tournaments. I obviously we all love Roger and Rafa and Novak. We all get that, but I don't think the sport, I don't feel like the sport has really suffered with two of the three, not playing up to this point. Obviously it's a huge loss. Don't get me wrong, but the level of play and the, and the competitiveness that we've seen, I I've enjoyed it just as much. 
I think the fans have too. Now keep, uh, keep in mind that of course we had Novak halfway to the grand slam too. So he, his lingering, his, his uh, enduring greatness has been one of the big stories of this year too. So he's still been front and center on the other hand, Carlos. Yes. Despite what happened in Roland Garros, a great start to the year for him and many, many high points for Carlos, despite not playing in Australia and, and despite his cramping against Novak and Roland Garros, he's still been a, a major frontline central figure, Medvedev with a great stretch, winning five tournaments. He's now trying to come out of a little brief slump, starting with the first round loss in Roland Garrison, another first round loss on the grass, opening round for him, I should say, last week. Uh, and, and, and on trying to rest, trying to pull himself together right now, which he probably will. So there's been some very, there's, there's been plenty going on, and I agree. I don't think it's hurt the game, but I also think it has helped that, that it hasn't been too, uh, I mean, we, we'd already lost Roger and Rafa playing into the, gone since the Australian Open. But then to have Novak, you know, win the Australian, go back there and win a 10th, to have him go win at Roland Garros and to have this excitement surrounding his quest for the Grand Slam, which where he came so close to doing it two years ago, has been, I think it's been a good blend of him and the other top players all making their mark. But it's, but it's definitely... You definitely get the feeling that with Carlos and hopefully Sinner making that next big step that the younger generation is ready so that once Novak in a couple of years, when Novak does retire, which I assume it'll be a couple more years, that the game will be will be fine, that the game will there'll be there'll be a new flavor to it, but it'll still be going strong. And, and I was talking about this with, with one of my good friends the other day. You know, you see how tough it is to still win a slam with just Novak out there, right? And when there was the big three, if you were to win a slam, you would most likely have to go through at least two of those three to do it. There's just not enough slams to go around when you got three of the greatest players, uh, you know, in, in one era competing for the biggest titles. Um, but I, I agree, Steve. I, I think that was a great summation that you gave. Um we're going to get into it as we get closer to Wimbledon, but I guess I can throw it out there now. Um, spur of the moment, top of the top of the head type stuff. If Novak were to stumble, do you have one or two players that you seem uh, that that you that you feel can can do it at Wimbledon? Yeah, I, I, I'm still not entirely certain what to expect from Alcaraz on grass yet. I think he still feels he has something to learn about the grass court. And that's why it's a wise move that he's at Queen's Club this week, playing in London, trying to get as many matches in him as possible and possibly a title. Uh, Medvedev has never, we haven't seen a big showing from him at Wimbledon yet, but I, I know I know that he knows he can play on grass. So I still feel he's a big threat with that serve and with... Uh, I still feel he can defend well on the grass and that his flat ground strokes with a little help from the court, if he could somehow get his way into that second week and start, he's, he's dangerous. Then I don't know what to say beyond, beyond those two. I don't, I don't, I I don't think that Casper Ruud is, is, is that big a threat on the grass in my view. Sissipas has not really demonstrated it yet on the grass. So it's, there's a lot of guesswork involved to see, who might emerge from this group, who might be the, the danger guys. I guess we, uh, we really kind of, we need to see the draw first. It would help to look at how the draw is shaping up yes. to know who, who looks the most menacing of the group. Yeah. I just wanted like top of the mind. Yeah. I, I remember everyone should remember Taylor Fritz was a whisker away 
from getting to the semifinal when he lost to Rafa. So he seems comfortable on that. Surface. Yeah, he is. Oh, he is. With his serve and his game, he has no reason he can't play great tennis to be back in that same position again and maybe threatening to go a little deeper than the quarters. Maybe it's a semi or a final this time. Who knows? But yeah, he'll be a threat. He's got to, he's got to be solid in the early rounds and not let his guard down. I worry about him sometimes at these majors, not playing his best in the early rounds and paying a substantial price for it, but no doubt. And, and he should end up being seated as we speak now. It's a should be seated eight, eight. So uh, that puts him in, in pretty good shape as well. Yeah. I think Taylor could do quite well at Wimbledon this year. Well, this was uh this was fun. I think I, I joked with you. This is kind of like a hodgepodge of an episode. We kind of hit on a, a variety of topics. Um, we'll, we'll obviously focus on Wimbledon as we get closer to it. Before we go, any anything else you're looking at? Queen Again, Queens, you got to follow Queens because you got a lot of top players playing there this week. Yeah, yeah, a lot of top players. Dan. I'm looking at Hallie, wondering whether, whether Medvedev is going to bounce back. And, and he's, he started off with a win over, over Jerome, so it, it, that's, a, that's a start. Straight set win. At this point, he needed that win after losing his last two matches. But uh, I, I'm interested to see what he can do. Sitsipas escaped today against, and, and got through in a third set tiebreaker. So I'm hoping that he can build a little confidence, too. And we'll, we'll, we'll know a little bit more by the end of this week. But I agree, the London field is even more compelling with, with Carlos as the headliner there and, and a very strong field. Well, tennis never sleeps. You just get through the, the clay court and we're already talking clay court season. And we're already talking about the grass as it approaches Wimbledon. Steve, thank you for your time. Um, happy belated father's day to you. I know you got to spend some time with your family. I know you always enjoy doing that and we'll, uh, we'll do this again real soon. Thanks David. Same to you back at you. My father's day.